Live from the ACU of Texas Studios, it's time for Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. What is up? Welcome on in. This is Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's having a great Friday out there. What a week it has been for sports. It is. I feel like this is what we've been waiting for this week, or yeah. at least this episode for the last month or two, talking about those Rockets and those Warriors. And of course, coming up a little bit later, we've got some interesting stuff. Uh, sports ga- betting has actually been legalized at the federal level, it looks like, for, from the Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh, so... Got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about that, as well as LeBron James down 2-0 to the Boston Celtics and those uh, and that upbeat Brad Stevens. But again, first off, got to talk about those Rockets and Warriors. Game one was on Monday, of course, if anybody was watching, or in case you were living under a rock, yeah. <laughs> the Warriors actually beat the Rockets 119-106, uh, really on the back of an amazing performance from Kevin Durant, 37 points on 14 of 27 shooting. Uh, Clay Thompson also added 28 points as well. The Rockets did get back at him, though, on Wednesday, uh, taking it 127-105. So we are now have a tie series going into Game 3 back at Golden State. But let, uh, Trina, let's go ahead and break down yeah. what we saw in those games. Game 1 was... I don't it know. Was it was horrific. a little shaky. Game yeah. 1 was horrific. I mean, they got out to a great start. Halftime, they were, you know... It was tied, yeah. It was a tied ball game. Y- but you can't be tied with the Golden State yes. Warriors and play the way that the Rockets did in Game One with all the isolation mm-hmm. and no ball movement, exactly. anything like that. You can't. It's hard to beat a team that scores within, you know, eight seconds of a shot clock versus one that go down all the way into, you know, two seconds. Oh of yeah, a shot clock. absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it was tied at halftime, but you're exactly right. It just felt, at least to me, and I don't know if it was the same way with you, but at halftime. You know, at that first quarter, the Rockets came out and it, it looked like they had that chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. They were throwing up some shots and they were going down from everywhere on the court. Right. But they were only up by one at the end of the first quarter. And again, they were tied at halftime. And it just felt to me, it was like one of those things. It was like, I feel like, you know, we should be up by 20 points. But yeah. those Warriors, they're just pesky. And then, of course, Kevin Durant. Just I, Kevin Durant seems to be the most unguardable player mm-hmm. I've just about seen in the last five or six years. It's not only that, but I think in game one, the Rockets didn't know how to defend Kevin Durant because they kept switching with mm-hmm. Chris Paul. Like, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, he's going to shoot that shot over oh, him yeah. every single yeah. time. And he noticed that, and he took advantage of it. They kept putting Chris Paul in oh, the, yeah. um, the switch on purpose, in the pick and roll on mm-hmm. purpose. So that Kevin Durant could have him on here. Today. Oh, yeah. They did that all night on game one. Yeah, and I mean, it seemed like the Rockets were throwing everybody at him. You know, mm-hmm. Clint Capella got a chance at him at one point, and I think played just about as good a defense on one of those jumpers that he made. Yeah. But I don't know. This this was the thing. I was I, Just an observation, getting a little, a little bit off track, but watching Kevin Durant, because I feel like I haven't watched him, at least in the playoffs, I haven't watched him really in depth, but... This is what they were talking about, and I think Kenny Smith really highlighted it with him going to the Warriors. I, you know, I, I don't want to. I, I like Kevin Durant, but yeah. I just this. I mean, it seems so easy for him out there with yeah. these with these shooters around him. It seems like, and, and you're the basketball expert, <laughs> expert, so I want I want your opinion on this. But it seems like you know, with all these great shooters, they basically isolate Kevin Durant by himself, and there's no way that he that anybody can give provide any help for whatever defenders on him. Because they've got four great knockdown three point shooters around him, and not it's not just that will. It's the fact that the way that they share the ball and the way that they move without the ball, like that's 
that's like basketball heaven for yes. any player, any player that wants to win. Because once you're sharing a ball, everyone's going to get a chance to touch it. I don't know if you noticed at least um, in that first game uh, between Golden State and the Warriors, at least three Golden State Warriors would touch the ball before mm-hmm. a shot was put up. Yeah, and I think uh, last week when Theo uh, Theo was on, of course, if you missed it, make sure you tuned in last or uh, watch last week. Theo Plowden, uh-huh. who played professionally in Nicaragua, joined the show, talked to us about his experiences as well, gave us some insight into the Rockets and Warriors series coming up. And I, you, you two were both talking about it. It was like the least, the you know, the least amount of dribbles wins, right. and that's exactly what the Warriors do. It was just, it was. You're right. It was beautiful basketball in Game One. Versus the Rockets, which was completely isolation basketball, and yeah. you know it, it was—I mean, it was definitely noticeable how how much iso ball the Rockets were playing. Exactly, they had over forty plays, over forty plays where it was isolation ball, uh, where it was just James Harden or Chris Paul dribbling one on one, and they were pretty efficient at it for the most part. But it was twice as many as any other game they had had all year. Yeah, and that kind of worried me. But when it ga- came down to Game Two, Will, that was a whole nother story, and I was so oh, excited yeah. to see the ball movement that the Rockets had going on. Like, I mean, to share the ball now, they were looking like Golden oh, State yeah. did, but better mm-hmm. in Game Two. Yeah, and the de- yeah the defense. I mean, they it, it seemed like Game Two there was more of an emphasis. You know, Kevin Durant still got his. He was thir- had thirty eight mm-hmm. points on thirteen of twenty two shooting. But it was almost a sense of, you know, hey, we're not going to let anybody else go off. We're not going to let Klay Thompson go for 28 points again. Yeah. And, of course, Steph Curry, whether he's, he's – still kind of injured. Yeah, he's, he, I'm guessing he's still lingering from that ish, that injury, but they are still doing a very, very good job of containing right. him, making sure there's a hand in his face, even on those shots that he normally makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're exactly right. Yeah, game two, it was a whole different story. The Rockets only had 18 assists in game one. Game two, they bumped it up to 23 assists, actually won that assist battle – uh, 23 to 21 against the Warriors, and the big thing I and this is the thing that I'm I'm going to be interested to see for the rest of the series is the rebounding. The yeah. Rockets out rebounding them 57 to 42. And again, I I'm not the basketball expert, so I'll refer to you. But it just seems like rebounding is one of those stats where it's you know it's effort, it's effort, it's hustle, and you know if it seems like in most of these games, whoever's going to rebound the most is probably going to have the most transitions. And likely to have, like you and Theo said, have the least amount of dribbles. Yeah, I think with rebounding, it's so difficult to tell with this series because these are two offensive teams that can put up 120 points in a playoff game. Mm -hmm. So it it won't be as as many rebounds that need to take place going on the other end when, you know, Steph Curry can sometimes hit in a matter of seconds. But I think the, the not just the rebounding, but the defensive energy that the Rockets had, the team that plays with the most defensive energy oh, yeah. in this series and can contain and hold the opponent to lower, lower points will win because with these two teams, they have to outscore each other. Oh, yeah. They're De- both offensive. That's definitely, yeah, that's the name of the game as far as that goes. And, I mean, it's, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because, of course, they've both – you know the Rockets. They said they weren't going to change their game plan going from game one to game two, but I mean they definitely it, did. Yeah, there was definitely something different about it. Yeah, they I, yeah. they definitely they definitely shared the ball. I noticed that Chris Paul he made plays every time he touched oh, the yeah. ball. He didn't just come down and set the play up. He actually made plays not for just himself but all the other guys. Yes, absolutely. So that was a big factor. We didn't have that. We were you know isolating basketball like isolating with the basketball, and then we would pass it late in the shot clock, and that wasn't. That wasn't enough. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. We had very many shot clock violations in game one. Yeah, they, uh, that was another interesting stat. I think the Rockets, I want to say they're uh, basically the most they had had in a game all year was three shot clock violations. I want to say they had three or four in the first half of mm-hmm. game one. So, you know, and I, of course, a lot of that goes to the elevated defensive uh, defensive performance from Golden State. The Rockets, I mean, say what you will about Utah. But, I mean, talent for talent, the, yeah. the Golden State Warriors are some of the best defenders in the NBA. And, of course, you know, the name of the game for the Warriors is, you know, getting, getting those stops on defense, forcing it in transition. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, even if they get into the half-court offense, it just seems like Kevin Durant is one of those guys that is not going to be stopped, at least for the time being. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah it's hard to stop them right now. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I think they're going to stay along the same game plan where it's mainly trying to shut everything down. But, I, of course, coming up in a little bit, I want to talk a little bit more about what the future of this series looks like. Uh, you know, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, just a lot of stuff to talk about, really, you know, with them attacking Steph Curry. Uh, of course, it's just a lot of great stuff to talk about as well. We're going to be talking a little bit about LeBron James being down 2-0. Can he assert his greatness? Me and Trina might, may debate who, whether he's the greatest of all time or not. Yeah. Um, and of course, a little bit later, we'll be talking about the legalization of the sports betting. But you are listening to Wildcard Sports with Will and Trina. <laughs> Listen or watch previous episodes in our audio and video archives. Just go to VinylDraftRadio.com. Just look for Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. What is up? Welcome back on in. This is Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. Uh, first off, I do want to say our thoughts and prayers, of course, going out to Santa Fe High School. There was an active shooter out there this morning. It looks like there has been some fatalities. Of course, our thoughts and prayers are out there with the victims. Um, always horrendous to see something like this. Um, just hope, obviously, they can make a speedy recovery over there. But yeah. But again, uh, we were talking last segment about the Houston Rockets and that Golden State Warriors series. Uh, very... Uh, it's been two completely different games, been yeah. two completely different teams, I think, on both sides. Uh, but really, we were kind of breaking down the what happened in each one, Game 1 and Game 2. Uh, game 1, of course, was all Warriors. Rockets focused mainly on the isolation ball, which really didn't seem to be effective against that Golden State passing, as you were saying. So. Yeah. Um now that the series is tied 1-1. Yeah, now that's the question now. Where <laughs> where does this series go from here? What teams do we see in game 3? I honestly before the series started, I was that person that said whoever wins game 1 was going to win the series. Really? And I kind of had it to where Golden State would win in 7. But after that first game, I said, man, Golden State might win it in five. Yeah. And but it, then, yeah. then, Will, I seen game two, and I said, you know what? I think the Rockets might have a chance to win it in seven. I think I think so, too. I, I definitely feel I feel better, of course, after game. I mean, who couldn't feel better after game two, uh, you know, after what we saw in game one? And the thing is, I feel, as, as a Rockets fan and what I've seen through them throughout the year, I feel comfortable with them as a road team. If you look at their record throughout the year, the Rockets were 31 and 10 on the road. Mm-hmm. Warriors on the flip side were 29 and 12 at home. So, you know, the you know, everybody always talks about Oracle Arena and how the Warriors have this great home court advantage. Yeah, the best fans in the it, NBA. They do, and I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah, I mean, when that when that crowd gets rocking and they start doing the Warriors, yeah. Warriors, that's always one of the that's one of those great uh, sports things to see. But I don't know. I just feel comfortable as the Rockets as a road team now. Yeah, I, I, of course, if they lose these next two, they have to split one of these next two games. Yeah, I think that game three is a necessary, like, it's a mandatory win for the Rockets. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, they've got to come back to Houston tied 2-2 because, again, you don't want to get in another elimination game mm-hmm. in Golden State. That is where they're at their best, those elimination games. 
Uh, I mean, look at it in 2015 in the Western Conference Finals. Game six to them. Oh yeah, game or was it? Yeah, it was game. game Yeah, you're right. It was game six. (laughs) And uh, yeah, in in or no no, it was game five. It was game five because was it? yeah, because it was uh, first two were in Golden State, the next two were in Houston. So we we lost the first two in Golden State, lost game it was three, game five, game five, it yeah, and then we won five. game four, mm-hmm. and then in game five, uh, James Harden had the infamous sixteen game turnover or yeah. sixteen turnover game against the Warriors. So you're right, Will. I just yeah. I just don't want to get in. I mean, you saw how it was a few years ago. You don't want to get in these elimination games when you're in Golden State. Right. And the thing is, man, for them, for Golden State to be comfortable enough to come to Houston and just win game one the way that they did, and a couple years ago how they came to Houston and just killed us. Like, they actually – I think they thrive off of it. I think they, they – Houston is the team to beat for Golden State. And Golden State is the team to beat for Houston. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, they've been talking about this all year as far as this is the matchup that, that they want to get to. But, I mean, we have to ha- – I mean, I know it was the first game of the season, but you have to have a little bit of confidence. There is a little bit of precedence there that the Rockets won the first game of the year in Golden right. State. And Chris Paul only played, I believe, a half of that game before he got injured and was out for the next two weeks. So the Rockets have yeah. shown an ability to go on the road and beat very good teams. I say Chris Paul has to play the way that he did in game two. He's the playmaker. He's the one. Every time he touched the ball, he made mm-hmm. a play, whether it was for himself or whether it was for the team. Like Every time he touches the ball, he has to make a play. Oh, yeah. And that's the, th- that's the interesting thing I want to talk or The next thing I want to talk about is something that was completely surprising to me, but of course makes sense and really speaks, I guess, maybe to the genius of Mike D'Antoni, is their attacking of Steph Curry. Steph Curry is being picked on like I mean it's it's I've never seen anything like this at least in his career as far as him getting picked on on the defensive end I mean what have you seen from from this as far as that goes they're taking advantage of somebody who's not a hundred percent and I think that it's only right that you do if you're on the court you're going to be you're going to be treated like you are 100 percent so the fact that the Rockets are able to just go at him on that end that says a lot about them recognizing the weakness and right now I'm not saying Steph Curry is a weakness he's absolutely one of my favorite players in the Mm -hmm. NBA but you got to sometimes attack the weakness just to help your team strength oh yeah certainly and I mean that's definitely what they've been doing and I I would say you're going to see that again in game three and game four now of course he's got three days off so I think and, this is probably the longest break he's had since coming back, at yeah. least. So, and and the Warriors have done the same thing. They've attacked our weaknesses by putting by switching and putting oh, yeah. Chris Paul on Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's been eating Chris Paul alive since <laughs> since the start of the series. Uh, yeah. So. What's Reggie What's Reggie Miller been saying all series? Kevin Durant's just handed out. He said, "How do you want it served? Come and get it." Just yeah. with everybody. I mean, again, mm-hmm. like you said in the first segment, Kevin Durant has been absolutely the most unguardable player I think I've ever seen. Outside, or at least playing against the Rockets since LaMarcus Aldridge back in, what was it, 2014, where he went yeah. off for 40 plus points in the first two games. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been, it'll be interesting to see how they attack him at this point. I, you know, in game two, I just, if they can focus on shutting everybody down except Kevin Durant, I think they might, they might be a little bit better off. Cause I mean, at this point, Kevin Durant is just going to get his, I think every single game. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. Of course, like I said, the, the thing, the thing, the stats that they can control, they really need to control going forward in game three and game four. Uh, another interesting stat that, you know, thrown out there is that the fact is, if you look at the, what the Warriors have done in the playoffs this year. So first series, they won the first three against against uh, San Antonio. Yeah. Got blown out in Game Four. Won Game Five. The next two, the next two, they blew out New Orleans. Then got blown out in Game Three. So they won three, lost one, and then they've won. They won three straight again. Got blown out in one, yeah. and now 
Look where they now, are. I, now I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, look where they are. They got to uh, withhold, I mean, withstand a longer series. This is going to be the longest series the Warriors probably have had in, I don't know, since that uh, final with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this will be, be a testing series for them as well. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, hey, it, it might be a feat in itself if we can get it to six games because the yeah. Warriors, since they've acquired Kevin Durant, a series has not gone longer than five games yeah. for them. Every, is, yeah. yeah. It's been a gentleman's sweep for them in every single series. But it'll be interesting. The, the, and another thing I did want to touch on this that I'm, you know, from watching game one and game two, I've started to become a little concerned about is – James Harden, the the James Harden, the amount of effort that he's putting in on each offensive possession, I don't know. I, 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 and this might just be me, but I'm starting to get flashbacks to last year against San Antonio, and I'm just not sure this level of energy is is something that he can keep up for an entire series, or at least he hasn't shown the or he didn't show us the ability last year to do it. Whether no matter what mm-hmm. that was, I think James Harden is absolutely one of the greatest one on one isolation players mm-hmm. in the NBA, but. It's not going to work. It's not going to work when you're trying to play for a championship, and it's not going to work when you're going against a team like the Golden State Warriors, yes. who is arguably the best offensive team in the NBA, who puts up almost just as, a, a, like just as much points as Houston Rockets. So it looked like he was a little uncomfortable with Chris Paul actually making those plays. Mm-hmm. But now I see what the Rockets did when they added Chris Paul let James Harden do his thing, mm-hmm. but share the ball. You know, have Chris Paul and that playmaker that, you know, make sure everyone shares the ball. If James oh, yeah. Harden wants to do isolation, cool, but not every single possession. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it, I mean, you said, you said it best there. I mean, the good thing about all that is game two – or game one, it just seemed like it was a lot harder for these guys to get involved. You know, Eric Gordon, uh, you know uh, – P.J. Tucker, Luke Aumute, it looks mm-hmm. like it was hard for these guys to get involved, whereas in Game 2, P.J. Tucker was 8 of 9 from the field, 5 of 6 from three-pointers. Uh, Eric Gordon went off for 27 points. It just seemed a lot more comfortable and a lot more fluid. Yeah, they fluid. were sharing the ball. Yeah, they were standing there just waiting. Exactly. They were actually moving, cutting, passing. Like They were actually making plays. Everybody, even Trevor Ariza, he kind of oh, surprised yeah. me a little bit. Like I didn't know he had that much offense in his tank. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and they were, I mean, if you saw, they had a little bit of court drama going oh, on. Oh, they did, yeah. I mean, in game one, it started with Kevin Durant and Chris uh-huh. Paul going at it, Kevin Durant complaining, and I love this, where yeah. we're Chris Paul just told him to shut up, and he was like, "Shut up, just keep playing." Yeah, and and, and then you see Trevor Ariza talking to Kevin Durant. Oh, they yeah. went they went at it for a while in game two, and you know Trevor Ariza he kind of looked at KD like, "Yeah, I can score too." So mm-hmm. I think they kind of like pumped him up a little oh, bit. Yeah. PJ Tucker he had the ball going so. Yeah, like it's that gonna little be bit of drama, you know, it kind of fueled the Rockets a little bit too. Yeah, did you see as well where uh, Chris Paul's brother was sitting oh, yeah. on the court side yeah. and it got into it with Kevin Durant? I, I, oh, yeah. I mean, I love seeing drama like this on the court, mm-hmm. and you know, I always like to think that if I was courtside, I, I'd be the one getting getting into it with players, but yeah. you know, opposing players. But I know I'd get out there and just like, what's up, Kevin uh-huh. Durant, seeing yeah. seven foot ten. So props to Chris Paul's brother, who's yeah. like two feet shorter than him, yeah. going out there and talking smack to him. Props to him. You you are my hero, Chris yeah, Paul's and, brother. And Kevin Durant and Chris Paul are actually really good friends. They um they play on the USA team together, so they know they know what it's like to play oh, yeah. each other. But this is playoffs. Yeah, this yeah, no there's no friends out there on the yeah. court this time, which was yeah, it was incredible to see that out there. And of course the competitive I, I think it's gonna be a fun series. I really 
of course, being a Rockets fan, of yeah. course, I <laughs> hope they split the series. But yeah. just as a pure basketball fan, I think a lot of the worry now for people is if this is a quick series, this sets up a run of basically unstoppable Warriors teams for the next three, four, five, or you know, five years as far as that goes. Possibly. So, you know, and who knows? I mean, I'm not going to state or you know comment on whether that's going to be good for the state of basketball or whatever. But I just want to see a great series here. Yeah, I think so. It's more pressure on the Warriors right now being at home than it is on the Rockets. Oh yeah, certainly. So. It'll be interesting. Like I said, really have to get those those role players to step up. And the other thing, of course, Luke Balamute. I, that's the other thing. I him, he has got to step up from on you know from the offensive st- standpoint. I didn't realize this, but he was actually 0 of six in game one, missed I think three or four layups. And I, it, the thing going forward is they just cannot make mistakes, especially on the road against the Warriors, where yeah. you know they're going to turn those uh, you know take those rebounds. And take those turnovers and turn them into quick buckets real quick. Yeah, and we can't have Draymond Green amped up because once he's amped up, it is over. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, he, I think he had the highest plus minus in game one. But yeah, I was, you know, I was feeling confident in game one after the first 97 seconds where he already threw, a, you know, he already threw a shove or he shoved uh-huh. James Harden. Had a tech and we were up eight nothing or something like he's that. He's definitely going to get ejected in this series. I don't know what game and when, but he's going to get ejected. It, I just he, I, he always seems to push, you know, push the boundaries, push the envelope as much as he can with these refs, and I, I think he knows that for the most part they're not going to throw him out of yeah. a playoff game, but. I don't know. I think we're getting to the point where Draymond's going to lose it one of these days, and he's just going to throw yeah. a punch. He's going to throw a punch and get thrown leads, out. I think he leads the NBA in technicals this year. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and I mean, you saw it a few years ago during the during the playoff run or yeah. uh, or the finals run where uh, you know a lot of people point to the Warriors losing against the Cavs in the finals was because Draymond was out for Game mm-hmm. Six when they were up three yeah. one clinching it. So From that I just incident. it mm-hmm. just seems it just seems to me like he. I mean, he's he's at at least at some point in in this series going to get ejected, something like that, like you said, and it's, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah, it's it, like I said, it will definitely be interesting to see what these splits will look like for the road and home matchups. But uh, coming up in a little bit, we're going to be talking a little bit, of course, about LeBron James being down 2-0 to those Boston Celtics. Brad Stevens is coaching up a storm yes, up there without their two biggest stars, some of the most impressive, impressive coaching I think I've seen. And then uh, a little bit later, of course, we're going to talk a little about sports betting getting uh, legalized. going to be interesting there as well. So we might get into a little bit of what those Houston Astros are doing. Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. Segments talking about those Rockets and Warriors. Just so much to get into with that. Of course, a series tied 1-1 to going into Sunday's Game 3 matchup in Golden State. One series that is not 1-1. The other side of the bracket, the Eastern Conference Finals, is already 2-0 in favor of those Boston Celtics over LeBron James. What is happening, Trina? Boston Celtics are playing phenomenal basketball. They are. By the leadership of Brad Stevens, who is arguably going to be the best coach in the NBA in the next five years. Yes, and I think he's already the youngest coach in the NBA. He's yep. 41 years old. Mm-hmm. And just some of the the things he's been able to do, of course, again, if you've been living under a rock. If you've been living Yeah, the, the Boston Celtics have lost their two best players, Kyrie Irving. Gordon Hayward broke his ankle uh, in game one of the Within season. Within three minutes. Within three minutes. Kyrie Irving got the news a couple months ago that he's not even going to be available for the playoffs. 
And the way that they have just been able to step up has just been absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like they're, I mean, it's not like there's excuses to be made for the, for the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. They made quick work of the Toronto Raptors in the previous series. So they had plenty of rest. LeBron James, best player in the world. And really, the, the Celtics have had a game plan in place where they have been able to shut him down. Game one, the Celtics won 108-83. They held LeBron James to just 15 points on 5 of 16 shooting. And then in game two, LeBron had a bounce back game, 42 points on 6 of 29 shooting, but they were still able to win 107-94. It just seems like Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtics have an answer for everything that the, that the Cavs are throwing at them. Can, can I say something here? Go for it. This is the great thing about sports in general, not just like basketball, but you you think LeBron greatest of all time, oh, yeah. right? But you can have it's anyone's game. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If if someone you don't uh, don't count them out just because they've got their two best players out, they can still come and bring it, and it's anyone's game. That's what's so exciting about it. There's my sports contribution. The, no, and yeah. you're, you're no, absolutely thanks, yeah, you're thanks, absolutely right thanks, on that Adam. because <laughs> the fact is the Boston Celtics who were up 2-0 in this series. They weren't even favorites in the first round. They weren't favorites at all throughout the whole yeah. year to even get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I yeah. mean, look at every year in the NCAA tournament. Like mm-hmm. how many, like the upsets you have. It is anyone's game. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and what's funny, uh, what's funny, Adam, is that the head coach of these Boston Celtics, Brad Stevens, so he was the head coach a few years ago of Butler, Butler. University, yeah. who is like the poster child for upset for upsets in the mm-hmm. in getting to the he national cha- that. yeah getting to the national championship as underdogs, and of course. The Boston Celtics said, hey, I wonder if that'll translate to the NBA. And it certainly has to this point. So Yeah, give props to Brad Stevens. I mean, he I think the thing is, like, he knows his players. He knows he oh, puts yeah. them in positions to be successful. When you think about the players who played under Brad Stevens mm-hmm. and now look, Isaiah Thomas, yep. L.A. Lakers. Yeah. Not even a starter, not a six man. Mm-hmm. Not, you don't hear anything about him. And so it just plays a factor when you have a coach that knows how to put his players, know how to put his players in the best position to be successful, not just for themselves, but for the team. Yeah. And I think I think he does a good job feeding it. Or these players come out with this chip on his shoulder and going back to his college days where it's like they have this chip on their shoulder. where like. We are the we're the underdogs. Nobody expects us to win, and it's the, they play with that that chip on their shoulder. Yeah, they're playing with ultimate confidence right now. Look at Marcus Smart, Terry oh, yeah. Rozier, Jason Tatum. Marcus who's, Morris, yeah, yeah. Jason Tatum is actually a, a top three candidate for Rookie of mm-hmm. the Year, but you know they're probably going to give it to Donovan Mitchell or Ben or Simmons. Ben Simmons yeah. But you know he's been playing great basketball as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can only imagine what this team will look like with the return of Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Their championship team. Oh yeah, and. You know, and we were talking about in the break. I mean, you know, looking for a trade partner for Kawhi Leonard, and you know, getting a little <laughs> off su- off subject here. But if you're if teams are looking for, or if the Spurs are looking for a trade partner for Kawhi Leonard, the Boston Celtics have so much young talent that they can offer on that one. That you know, the, the Boston Celtics might be that Eastern Conference team. It might not be LeBron James and the Cavs, even if he decides to return to Cleveland right. next year. It looks like the Eastern Conference is, is Boston Celtics, at least for the for the time being or in the near future. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how that matches up. But, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, I think Doc Rivers is quoted as saying that, a, you know, a playoff series does not start until a road team wins a game. So, true. you know, we, we need to still see what LeBron James can, and the Caval- Cavaliers can bring. Uh, at when they do get back in Cleveland. Yeah, the one thing I can say about LeBron, LeBron's playing great. He's, I mean, he's at the the other end of his career right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about a guy that's been in, what, 15 years now? Oh, yeah. Man, I say, I see a different LeBron. 
he looks stronger, healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, he's flying high as well, but I don't see him making as many plays because he know his player personnel as well. Mm. If you think about it, LeBron didn't, you know, come off the pick and roll as much back early in his career and just pull up for jump shots, whereas he's doing that now. He's taking a lot of jump shots. And not only is he taking them, but he's making them. Oh, yeah. And he's not making that very many passes because he knows his personnel. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you've seen that. I mean, in the last few years, I mean, his ability to knock down the three-point shot, it's like he's really developed the game. It developed his game to where, yeah, it's he's going to try and shoulder most of this because, like you said, his personnel around him, he's not getting a lot of help. You right. know, Kevin Love had a great game one, um, at least from a shooting standpoint. But game two, he only ha- there was only other two two other players in double digits. He's just not getting the help out there uh, that he needs to, you know, at least get this team to the finals. And even if they do get to the finals, you know, at this point, I mean, it's I just don't think there's any way yeah. that he can shoulder and play this much hero ball because even in the past years he had Kyrie Irving uh you know Kevin Love was playing is playing at a high level but having the guy or at least the offensive presence in Kyrie Irving that he can rely on um at least you know give a different look to the you know to the opposing team it just doesn't seem like he has that this year and the defensive energy that Iman Shumper bought off the bench Mm -hmm. they don't have that no more when you talk about having a guy like Rodney Hood who comes in and you know he complains about garbage time and then when he actually gets the time he's not able to you know capitalize on that as Mm -hmm. far as you know knocking down shots when they need it and they gave him time and he didn't he didn't make use of it. Yeah, you're exactly right on that one. It's just there's nobody but LeBron James out there. And then, of course, you see it in game one. If LeBron James has a bad game, I mean, that's you know they're going to lose by 40 points almost as far as that goes. I mean, it's just it's, it, – of course, it, LeBron James has got way too much on his shoulders. But, again, at the other end, you got to give a lot of credit to the Boston Celtics yeah, and what they've playing, been able to do. Their defense is crazy. They're, they're one of my favorite teams to watch right now in these playoffs – with it only being four, mm-hmm. but they play crazy defense and their offense. They move the basketball. They they know what they're out there doing. They know their role and they know how to just make it work. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And yeah, you might be seeing on the flip side. Uh, we kind of talked about this before we got in. Uh, Brian Windhorse, who really covers LeBron James and the Cavaliers a lot, has noted that at this point, it seems like the Cavaliers are are suffering from what he called franchise fatigue. But the truth <laughs> is, there truth is, it's coded to call it LeBron fatigue. Yeah. He kind of noted that, of course, the the Cavaliers, the front office, and really the organization as a whole has kind of grown tired of, you know, basically catering to LeBron James. Because with, when you do sign LeBron James, there's a few things that come, that are contingent on him coming. The You have to acquire uh, veteran players instead of developing young talent uh, with draft picks, things like that. Uh, signing these guys to larger contracts and, of course, deal with the stress of these long playoff runs and media scrutiny of not making it that far in the playoffs. So... You might see you're might you might be seeing the end of an organizational run in and what I mean by that is LeBron James in Cleveland. Yeah. This might be the last run that he has and the, and it's kind of pointing at least for me. I I don't know. What do you think as far as this goes? Is this the last time we're going to see LeBron James in a Cleveland in a Cleveland uniform? I think this will be the last year of uh LeBron being in Cleveland and I think it has to do a lot with the instant gratification of oh, yeah. the NBA now, which started with the big three in Boston mm-hmm. with uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, because now guys are wanting to win championships right now. Mm-hmm. They're not going to teams where it could be developed. They want to every, if you think about it, every time a player gets traded, a high name player, they want to win a championship. Now their exactly. goal is championship right now yes, exactly. and not for the long haul and not the development of the team and building those relationships, which the golden state warriors, they're actually one of the teams that did that. Oh yeah. They have the same team 
if you take Kevin Durant out of that equation, mm-hmm. they have the same team and the same players that Mark Jackson when Mark Jackson was the head oh, yeah. coach. So it's the same team just added Kevin Durant, which they won championship without exactly. Kevin Durant D- developing talent on their own. And the Rockets exactly. have done that as well. I mean, you know, of right. course they did acquire James Harden and Chris Paul, but you look at guys like you know, uh, you know, in, tr- uh, in the past at least. You know, guys like Clint Capella, mm-hmm. uh, you know Chandler Parsons. That was another guy that they ha- they've shown the ability to develop young talent. Um, and that's and I feel like that's a key part in growing an organization. And yeah, exactly like you said, yeah. that's just not something you can do with LeBron James. So going to be yeah, going to be interesting. I mean, of course, if they lose Game Three, which I think is on Saturday, that series is it's be pretty a much over. Oh yeah, it's going to be a sweep. But again, like I said, you you always have to refer to what Doc Rivers says. You know, the series doesn't begin until they start on the road. I expect to see I expect to see Cleveland play a little bit uh, with a little bit more tenacity and a little bit more urgency for the fact that they are down uh, 2-0. And so being that, I I expect Boston to go in with the ultimate confidence that they've been having all series. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, yeah, again, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I want to transition now. uh, Something probably the biggest sports news, at least of the last two days uh, to come out. Sports betting has actually been, or the the law basically uh, <laughs> making it illegal for sports yeah. betting has been struck down as unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. And now it's up to the states whether they want to make sports betting legal or not. So, I, hey, it's looking like, uh, you know, New Jersey and I believe Pennsylvania are going to be the first states that are primed to legalize this. Mm-hmm. And, hey, we've got a $50 billion to $150 billion business estimated, at least something being legalized. So, I don't know, Trina. What do you think this is going to do for the for the integrity of sports? Are you expecting any any anything different, at least with the way that they structure things in the NBA and the I'm, MLB? I'm really not surprised at how they're doing things because all of this stuff has been taking place under the uh, under the back. Oh yeah, anyway. under the table. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, under stuff that we don't even know about. So for it now, it'll just be more out in the air. Now no. it'll be more something more that uh, the general population can get into without yeah. feeling. Like they got to do it scared exactly. or anything like that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because at least in the states of New Jersey and Pennsylvania, I think there are plans where they're going to open up like sports betting windows where I think you you might see this like in Europe and like in England where basically they have shops where you go in, you play some money on, on a game. Mm-hmm. and It's just like the lottery. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. you know, and like I said, you know, it's been estimated it's 50, at least with the illegal sports gambling, it was estimated 50 to $150 billion business a year. Look, NCAA is already a billion dollar oh, yeah. business anyway. And I think that that just, that hurts. I think it hurts the players as well because, again, here goes. Why not pay the players? Yeah. If they're going to be able to legalize placing bets, yeah. why not pay the players? Yeah, exactly. There's going to be another avenue where basically the players are making money for, for people. So, yeah, going to be interesting. And, it, and it's it's interesting to me because if I, I feel like if you were talking about sports betting and you know five or six years ago, it was one of those things where people were really – you know, down on it saying like, hey, you know, I, I'm not in support of it, of it being legalized. But you've really seen a transition here in the last few years. Mm-hmm. I saw a statistic the other day where it's they did a poll where 55% of people are in favor of, of legalizing sports betting. And you really saw that with the MLB and the NBA because, mm-hmm. you know, they always said for years in the past that, hey, we do not want to legalize sports betting. But now, you know, they've already they've already said that, hey, it's basically, you know, it, no matter whether we like it or not, it's going to be changing. So let's yeah. go, we want to get a piece of the pie. You know, we want to set up things where it's going to be beneficial and it's going to be more entertaining. So you really already have seen a transition where people are in favor of it. But I'm with you, like like you said, as far as the NCAA goes, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what they have to say about it. Mm-hmm. But and I, I say, I mean, if, if, if a team 
if a high bet is bet on the team and they put like X amount of dollars, I think that whatever, you know, whoever wins that bet based on that team, they should have to give a portion to the team or the school, the organization. Oh, or, yeah. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think you'll definitely uh, you'll definitely see that here in the next uh, in the next uh, few years as far as that goes. But, yeah, definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but of course. Uh, coming up here in a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about those Houston Astros. Uh, they, of course, have the third best record in baseball. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get some of Trina's uh, expert opinions <laughs> on what to bet on them. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, you are listening to Wildcard Sports with Will and Trina on Vinyl Draft Radio. Listen or watch previous episodes in our audio and video archives. Just go to VinylDraftRadio.com. Just look for Wildcard Sports with Will and Trina. What is up? Welcome back on in. This is Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. Uh, hope everybody's out there having a great Friday. Of course, again, uh, just want to say our, you know, our thoughts and prayers out there uh, with Santa Fe High School. I think they do have the uh, shooter in uh, they, they in custody. Yeah. yeah. So of course, you know, again, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to them uh, with that. But with that being said, of course, we have been talking a little bit about the Rockets and the Golden State Warriors, as well as that Eastern Conference Finals where LeBron James is down 2-0. Uh, as well, sports betting been legalized. We talked a little bit about that. Of course, uh, doesn't the one thing I forgot to mention uh, to anybody listening out there? It doesn't look like Texas is going to be legalized anytime soon. We're always the last one to legalize. That anything. is right. For some, yeah, I, for some reason, I don't think it has anything to do with us being hardcore Republican. Or yeah, anything like, but not whatever. throwing it out there. <laughs> whatever. But anyway, yeah. So it doesn't look like we're going to get to have any fun betting on sports at least for a while. But it has been legalized uh, by the Supreme Court at a federal level and stuff. So going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Um, I'm sure we're still going to see a lot of illegal sports betting because it does look like the taxes in some of these states is going to be astronomical. States like Pennsylvania are going to be 34% for their gambling tax. So (laughs) I can't imagine a lot of people are going to want to bet on that. But that being said, one team that you always should bet on is those Houston Astros, the defending 2017 world champions. Uh, really, you know, have gotten off to kind of a slow start, at least from the offensive end. Uh, Pitching-wise, this might be the best yeah. pitching staff that they've ever had. They're pitching at a crazy rate. But hitting-wise, haven't got off to, you know, offensively haven't gone off to a great start. But you say that, and you look at their record, they're 28-17 and 17 and have the third-best rest- record in baseball. We are just so spoiled it's still as early. At, yeah. yeah. But it's it's early and the offense isn't showing up and you you listen to these radio stations and you listen to local media they're like, Oh, the Astros are terrible. They yeah. can't hit. We need to trade everybody. And it's like <laughs> if you sit back, we're like, Oh my goodness, we have the third best record yeah. in baseball. You know, our pitching is just insane at this point, and yet people are still complaining. You know what? It's because they're fresh off of a championship wheel, and so people are just expecting greatness year-round. These players didn't have time to recover or go spend time with their families. They had to hop right back into it in preseason. But, I mean, to me, come on. being in third place, Will, that's yeah, not bad at all. Come on. I, that's what I'm saying. They're <laughs> leading the division, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, how little pe- – or how much people forget, you know, five, six years ago – you know, they couldn't draw 500 people to yeah. these games when the Astros were losing yeah, 100 games a year. Yeah, giving out those free tickets. <laughs> yeah, but that being said, if you are down on the Astros, I've got some stats. I'm here to encourage you. I've got some <laughs> stuff that's going to make you feel a little bit better about what they're doing this year. You know, I was looking at it the other day. The Astros, the ERA for pitchers, which is pretty much the stat, of course, that everybody measures how good a pitcher is, is their ER, ERA. The Astros have the number one uh, – Justin Verlander is number one in ERA – 
Garrett Cole is number two in ERA, and Charlie Morton is number three in ERA in the wow. American League. <laughs> Astros <three>. have the <laughs> top three, and then they have four in the top ten. Not to yeah. mention, or, or uh, another, Dallas Keuchel is at twelve. I'm sorry, four in the top twelve yeah. as far as ERA goes. This is gonna. This it might go down as the greatest pitching staff of all time. It all people can do is find stuff to complain about with these Houston Astros. They always have to find something to complain about because they, you know, when you're great and you have that target on your back wheel, it's going to always oh, come yeah. back and get you. And because people really want to see, can they win it again or can they get that far again? So they're, every team that they play, mm-hmm. every fan that watches – they might be going against them because they're the winners. Oh, yeah. And you, you talk about that. Yeah, everybody seems a little bit salty about how good this Astro staff is. One person in particular is a guy by the name of Trevor Bauer. So Ooh. the Cleveland <laughs> Indians are coming to town uh, tonight, actually. First game of the series, at, uh, first pitch at 7-10. Uh, Trevor Bauer is one of, the, one of the pitchers for the Cleveland Indians. And I don't think he's going to be pitching in this series. However, he is actually former college teammates with one of those great pitchers we were talking about, Garrett Cole. They went to UCLA at the same time. Garrett Cole actually went number one overall in the draft. Trevor Bauer went number three overall in the draft. Ooh, little competition. Yeah, so you, yeah, I mean, you would you would think these guys are college teammates. There's a lot of love going on there. These guys are probably good, you know, friendly. Well, you know what happened? Okay, so a few weeks ago, somebody suggested that the Astros are using some type of some type of substance or some type of performance oh, here enhancer. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> to you know, some random fan threw it out there that mm-hmm. basically highlighting that the Astros' spin rates have gone up, the RPMs on their pitches, mm-hmm. uh, specifically Garrett Cole's. Well, Garrett Cole's old buddy Trevor Bauer proceeded to go on there. And basically support this fan's claim and saying that there's definitely something that there's something going on. I, I first the only thing I'm going to say the first thing I'm going to say about this is it is a well known fact that every pitcher in baseball uses some type of substance, some type of pine tar, something in yeah. there. It's just a known fact. And so for Trevor Bauer to first come out and try and call somebody out on that, not to mention his college roommate. There, you are right. There's a lot of saltiness going on I around think, there. I definitely think he wanted to draw some attention to himself. Um, you know, you know how some players are. They want to draw some attention to themselves from the media, and they want to make themselves look big so that they can draw in the higher, you know, fan base. Yeah, but it just, yeah, it just <laughs> seems so like you. You can just tell he is jealous. Like there is yeah. just some some type of jealousy factor out there that competition. Yeah, his mm-hmm. old teammate gets to go to a team that just won the won the uh, World won Series. the World Series. Yeah. he's pitching you know at a level that he's never pitched at before where mm-hmm. he's one uh, probably you know the second best pitcher at least at this point in baseball behind his teammate Justin Verlander right but I just cannot believe that a guy not not even to mention his old college teammate would call him out for something because you know like I said I'm gonna I mean the fact is it is a known fact out there if you do your research yeah. or anything you know that every pitcher out there uses some type of pine tar some type of substance to get a better grip on the baseball but that, to say that that's the reason that he is so much better this year than he, than it is last year. Yeah, that's unfair. It really is. But you, I, you actually saw some of the uh, some of the Astros tweet, uh, players tweeted back at him. One of my favorite ones was Alex Bregman, uh-huh. the Astros third yeah, baseman, yeah, yeah. tweeted back at Trevor ba- uh, Trevor Bauer, and he was like, he said something along the lines of, "Hey, those World Series balls uh, spin differently," and then he called <laughs> him by, he called him by his wrong name. I think he called him like Tyler or something yeah. when his name's Trevor or something. Yeah. So. 
Definitely on purpose. Yeah. So it was nice to see at least those Astros, the Astros teammates sticking up for, uh, yeah. sticking up for and his having teammate. his back. I think that's a big deal because, you know, you go from somebody now that they're on two different teams and mm-hmm. now they're in a pro level, like there's always going to be some type of competition where yeah. it looks like he's trying to one up. So yeah. it's just, yeah, like I yeah. said, it just, it's bizarre to me that, uh, you know, I, I, obviously there has to be some level of dislike there between mm-hmm. the two guys, but you know, I feel like there there should be some level of respect from your old college roommate that you're not going to try and call him out like that. Yeah. But, I but get, hey, people do anything these days to get their name out there in the media. That is true, yeah. <laughs> well, needless to say, if Trevor Bauer is pitching this weekend, I'm going to make sure I have to go and I am going to be booing him loud. Uh, yes. Yeah, boo birds are going to be out in full for, full force if he does come out there. But uh, I, I, needless to say, I don't think there will be a handshake between the two former college teammates oh, no. this weekend. My might get a little rough out there. It, it might, it might, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Of course, this might be a uh, preview of what's to come in the a- uh, American League Championship Series. So, uh, going to be a fun series. So make sure everybody tunes into that. Uh, of course, Indians have always been one of the perennial powerhouses, at least here in the last few years. And of course, like we said, the Astros with that third best record in baseball. So, going to be a fun series. Going to be a good litmus test for them to see what happens. Yeah, I can't wait to watch. Oh yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you to everybody out there for listening this Friday. Uh, of course, make sure you tune in next Friday. We're going to have a little bit more. Hopefully, those Rockets will still be alive in those uh, Western Conference Finals. Uh, we'll have a little bit more on that. But again, thank you guys so much. You've been listening to Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina on Vinyl Draft Radio.